I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Fear, if you think about it, we could, we could be scared of everything. But we're, we're each scared of different things. And so to me, if, you're, if you have a very deep spiritual practice, you might be connected to your intuition, right? If you don't, your fear is basically telling you where you want to expand. It's telling you where you want to grow. I also look at things as spectrums. So I believe the fear and courage are, are the same thing. They're opposite ends of the spectrum, right? So your fear is literally telling you where to apply your courage. If you're willing to go in and look at it, and also you have to give credit to our brains. Our ego does an amazing job, right? The challenge is we never taught our, our brains to look at rational and irrational fear differently. So our body, until we teach it, otherwise our body responds the same way. And this is backed by neuroscience. I mean, I could sort, I could cite a number of studies, but the point is we actually have to unlearn the patterns that have made us react a certain way so that we can be in choice and respond how we want to be interacting with our fear and then what choices we want to be making. Because the minute that you apply your courage, your fear can't, like in a sense, our fear is protecting us, right? But it's over protecting us where, where we may want to grow. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Gurian Tai. Now we're talking about fear today. How fear can be reframed in a way that it is a means of growth for you, a tool for success for you. She shares a lot of her stories, her personal stories and her professional stories. And I love the way she reframes that word. You know, she built a company based around that and it's called Forage. And we're going to dive into why she believes in the way she believes. So if you're feeling afraid, if you've ever had an uncomfortable relationship with fear, this is an episode for you. Today is also a very big day, though. A very big day for me, I have to say. Today is launch day. My book, Use Your Difference to Make a Difference, comes out. It is out. It's available for order everywhere. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for you. It's made a bunch of lists already on Amazon. Let's see if we can get it to, to get to many, many more lists. But the reason I wrote this book, you know, I wrote this book for anyone who's ever felt like they were too small, too big, too invisible. You know, this is a book for you to be seen. This is a book for allies to have tools to be able to connect across cultures. This is a book for people who have felt marginalized to embrace their individuality. This is a book that allows people to change their relationships with differences, to follow their curiosity, to open dialogue, to make sure that we don't perpetuate systems of inequity and inequalities. And so I really want you to get this book into as many people as you can. I want to hear your thoughts on it. I would love 
to see your reviews on it and you know just let me know how you are using the book in your life and i can't thank you enough i can't thank you enough for all the support you've given me i'm going to put the link to the book in the show notes so you can click to order i i'm, I'm so excited you know this is something that i've always dreamed of and it's finally here thank you so much i'm filled with overwhelming gratitude thank you thank you thank you and please share the word all right enjoy today's episode welcome everybody to another episode of as told by nomads and today's guest is gurian tai now she defines herself as the fear technician she believes that fear is one of our greatest teachers the flashlight to discovering our truest self our wholeness and it's an incredible asset we've been given if we can shift our relationship with its presence and recognize its gems of wisdom. So she's had a varied career. Her current company is Forge, and she it's driven by her fascination of what she calls as human beingness. We're gonna be talking about her models, her models and how to identify and live your why, your purpose, and also talking about her background as she's an experienced communication strategist who has demonstrated a history with working in multiple environments. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Teo. I'm happy to be here. Well, the pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. So let's start off with your 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 background. You, when I first met you, it was another lifetime ago. You were <laughs> you're the head of speaker development at Jolt, and then I knew you up until the time you were transitioning into uh, a different environment. But I had no idea that you you know were creating this in the background. This uh, you know, your company basically on forage and really diving into what fear is and how it's a treasure map for us. So how did you discover your talents for helping individuals become the best versions of themselves? Yeah, it actually kind of, in part, it feels like it happened to me by my experiences in life. Um, as you said, it, very varied background. I started out under the communications umbrella, everything you can put a relations after public analyst, investor, influencer, uh, <laughs> I did, and that led me to people. And so from there, I actually became a chief culture officer. And part of where we came together was um, was helping people speak their truth, helping people share their gifts with others. Um, and really, I loved um, at Jolt that uh, kind of bringing people together through learning. I, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, sorry, so I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I just want to highlight that. She's selling herself short here because when I met her, Joel, she was doing something for various speakers at different levels. And what she was doing was dissecting their stories and really helping them uh, distill that into a 30 minute to 45 minute format. So I know she's just saying it, but she was doing it for CEOs, for beginners and mid-level speakers. So just wanted to insert that there. Well, thank you for that, Teo. And actually, what that, that was a pivotal moment for me because what was so important there was empathy. Yeah. You have to actually be curious about your audience. You have to be able to meet them where they are. You have to see what's relevant for them to know how to share your gift, yeah. right? And so it was that work that actually led me to the notion that I believe you can teach empathy. I think that it's more common or innate for some people, but I definitely think it's teachable. So I sat down and I built a model as to how you could teach empathy. And it was that that led me to fear. So if you think about it, it's fascinating, but fear has been used through all of history, business, government, religion to divide us. And what my work is showing me is there's about seven basal fears that all human beings have. Communities are based in commonalities. 
right? But so rather than using these to unite us, fear has been used to divide us. And the only way that we can actually take our power back as individuals and then connect as community is to turn into and learn from those fears. Yeah, no, I, I love this so much. And this is where we connected because I know I reached out to you because I'm getting ready to launch my book. And I was talking about how we live in a world defined by fear and ignorance. And we've trained ourselves through institutions or whatever uh, history or revisionist history has taught us to essentially approach things that we don't understand from a very uh, negative point of view. And we just say, you're different. I don't like you. And this is what we're going to do. And as I was listening to your bio, or sorry, listening to you talk and reflecting on the bio and our conversations we had a couple of weeks ago, it does sound like you have a very, very similar mindset in, in, the, in the sense that when you use fear the wrong way, <laughs> uh, you feel like it really is detrimental to us as a community, as a world, and it, it, it really can shift how we grow mm. or uh, descend as, as human beings. So I really want to dive into that concept more because I think a lot of times when people hear fear, they think immediately negative. Um, and then there's no possible good from that. So can you just elaborate on that? Yeah. And I just wanted to note there, I'm so excited about your book coming out. And there is so much alignment using your difference to make a difference, because that's ultimately fear prevents us from connecting to what our difference is. Absolutely. Right. And so can't wait for your book to come out. And so I look at things at a micro and a macro level. So on a micro level, individually speaking, fear, if you think about it, we could, we could be scared of everything, but we're, we're each scared of different things. And so to me, if you're, if you have a very deep spiritual practice, you might be connected to your intuition, right? If you don't, your fear is basically telling you where you want to expand. It's telling you where you want to grow. I also look at things as spectrums. So I believe the fear and courage are, are the same thing. They're opposite ends of the spectrum, right? So your fear is literally telling you where to apply your courage. <laughs> if you're willing to go in and look at it, and also you have to give credit to our brains. Our ego does an amazing job, right? The challenge is we never taught our, our brains to look at rational and irrational fear differently. So our body, until we teach it, otherwise, our body responds the same way. And this is backed by neuroscience. I mean, I could sort, I could cite a number of studies, but the point is we actually have to unlearn the patterns that have made us react a certain way so that we can be in choice and respond how we want to be interacting with our fear and then what choices we want to be making. Because the minute that you apply your courage, your fear can't, like in a sense, our fear is protecting us, right? But it's over protecting us where, where we may want to grow. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the best things that exist for us, whether it's a speaker, a consultant, or whatever you're doing in your job, they generally exist outside of our comfort zone. And there's this interesting thing that our brain does. I've read a lot of neuroscience-y books and quotes, and they always talk about how your brain is can be a detective. And it's basically... Uh, protecting you, but it's also looking for evidence to confirm things that you've already informed it, uh, uh, informed it. And so if we don't work hard to sort of put ourselves outside of our comfort zones and uh, communicate with differences and connect to differences, we're not going to have enough information for our brain to operate under. And then if your brain just uses what it knows, then it taps into your biases and then you start to have, you know, potential 
you know, negative uh, uh, or um, limiting beliefs because you haven't really told yourself a different story and your brain isn't aware of that. And so it's just a curious cycle uh, that I've observed in people and in our uh, greater community. You're absolutely right. And I love that you mentioned that it's hard work because people talk about how hard habits are to break. People don't talk about how hard they are to start. <laughs> That's true. They That's true. take work. They take dedication. And most people, like you said, self-limiting thoughts, that's on loop. We've had conscious and subconscious practice of doing that our entire life. Yeah, yeah. So in order to create a new habit so that you can respond rather than react, that takes dedication and work. But if you're already doing the work, this work is a lot more enjoyable than self-limiting beliefs. Well, so let's do this then. So I'm one of your imaginary clients here. And I have this uh, limited belief that no one wants to hear me because I'm from a different country and um, maybe I'm insecure about my accents. Let me say something like that. Uh, and the, I'm saying this because you've dealt with speakers from different parts of the world. And I know that was one of the, <laughs> the concerns that people might have had. And so what would you tell me in order to really live out of that fear? Well, first, I would kind of look at what is the conventional um, definition of what what a, what a valuable speaker is to you, what an influential speaker is to you. What 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 are the people that stand out for you? What are either the way they present themselves or the way they make you feel? Mm -hmm. So first we look at because generally what happens is we have a confining belief of yes. what a successful leader is, right? So first we need to determine what to you a successful speaker looks like. And then how much of that actually applies to the speaker that you want to be. Ah. Then we connect you to what is, what is it that you're sharing? And this is where you referenced in the beginning in our introduction, but the why, the purpose of what you're speaking for, why is so much greater than I? And so when you can be in service of what you're bringing forth, then your ego has less room to take over because it's in purpose of, in your case, sharing with the world why you're different, how you, your difference makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Right? You really, you really have to connect with your purpose and understand that it's so much bigger than you, and that mm -hmm. that, that drives you know essentially everything that you're 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 meant to do essentially. Right, and I think from there is when you can actually most people listen to speak; they don't listen to listen. Yeah. But when you are connected, I imagine, and, and you're talking to people all the time in your podcast, but you're very grounded in your why. You're grounded in your purpose. So I'm asking you, can you hear what other people have to offer, even if it's new or different, or you might be skeptical about it because you're more confident in what your purpose is? Yeah, no, I mean, I can. And um, I think even me even playing this, this uh, imaginary character here, it, what my counter would be would be like, well, I feel like they will think less of me if I don't sound a certain way. And as I say that, using your model that you're saying, I can see how that's from me and not necessarily from them. You know, that's coming from me. I've defined success as something else that's other than me. And mm -hmm. because I've put something else that's other than me, I can't live up to that because I haven't changed the story I'm telling my brain which is in order for you to be a successful speaker, you have to sound like an American or like, I don't know, uh, Brene Brown or a, a successful speaker. You have to sound that. Uh, and so that then gets into my head and I'm thinking that means that people will think I'm uneducated. And if I'm uneducated, I'm not able to perform. And if I'm on stage and I'm thinking about all that, 
it's a very dangerous thing. That can also apply to people's goals and their purposes, because then we, we believe our stories instead of the actual story. That's right. Right. So we can't fail at something we don't want to succeed at. So first we actually have to see what we're holding ourselves accountable to. (laughs) There's so many boxes though. I mean, if you think about it, there's so much conformity, there's so many boxes. So a lot of what I do is help break down the boxes that people have kind of unconsciously subsigned themselves up to be it and societally, familial, culturally, there's so many reasons why we are. Yeah. we get to be a choice as to whether or not we want to be in those or create our own. That and, and that's the scary part. We're talking about fear again. That's also the scary part for people when they realize that the choice is theirs, but there's a high potential for failure still, even if they make that choice. You know, we, we think about people breaking out a convention. Maybe you, you got your MBA and your your next path is to be you know, uh, an investment banker, right? You're going to make 300K and that's what everybody in your family is doing. But you know deep down that you're supposed to be a creative, an author or poet or whatever you feel like is your calling. But you're afraid of doing that because not it's not because you don't think you can do it because you know you have, you've hidden that, that talent of yours, but because of what your friends are going to say, what your family is going to say. And the idea that you could be a flame out in front of an audience because it's a public spectacle. And that fear, it's a, that's another type of fear that um, people allow to take a hold of, the, of their whole lives as they live. Absolutely. And I, I mean, and, and thank you for bringing that. I mean, some people have a fear of, fear of failure. Some people have a fear of success. Yeah. And so this is where a lot of the work, I, I, the reason why I also love fear is it's not a negative. Fear has mm. also helped us who, to, to define who we are today. And so whenever there's a fear that comes up with any of my clients, we go in and we tribute it and we get curious around how that fear has actually helped develop who we are. Yeah. And looking at how has failure served you? Where in your life has failure actually, it's probably connected to you to what's important. What are your values? It helps connect you to your purpose. And so part of it is just this reframing of the negative stigma, I think, that is approached with fear, with failure, as, I mean, most most times, failure is learning. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what has been your, what are, sorry, not, what have been your fears? Yeah. Well, you know, I, <laughs> you know me well. So one thing I haven't been uh, afraid of is to quit. Um, a lot of this, a lot of this work also brings me back to integrity and we can get there, but that's where this does relate to business at more mass, mass scales. Um, but so my fears were, you know, I, I would say twofold on the, on the business front, it was definitely a risk to go out and try and find what I was, my purpose, try and find resonance in an integral manner in companies and not be able to, and then literally one day say, okay, I I have to do this then. And so I live in San Francisco. It's one of the most expensive cities in the world. Um, And this was, it was terrifying to go out and literally say, all right, I'm gonna start talking about fear and see if, if I can go there. And so for me, I'd say it's constant. My relationship, whenever I have anything come up where I sense nervousness or anxiety, fear has so many masks. What I've, what I've kind of like, I always say we are our work. So when it comes up in front of me, I can pause and say, okay, time to get curious, right? What, what's coming up? 
What are you scared to do here? Where can you grow? Where can you, what is true? And what do you not know yet? Right. Um, but yeah, I would say going, and it's still, I mean, this is still a hard conversation to have with a lot of people. You go into business businesses and you, you look at them and you say, you want to talk about their fears. I face it every, every day, to be honest. Um, on a personal level, you know, six years ago, I got divorced and leaving my marriage, um, was probably one of the most personal fears I ever had to face or work with in my life. The, the notion of potentially being alone, the notion of taking care of myself, all of those elements. Um, and so they also taught me, what does that mean? What does taking care of myself mean? How do I find happiness within instead of with one person. Um, and so they've definitely been, they're, they're present because I believe our fears evolve with us. As, as we grow and move through one, there's another one for us. <laughs> our fears evolve with us as we grow. That's uh, someone out there listening is, 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 is terrified and also inspired at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> like what? I thought I was, I was done with this. What do you mean? There's another one? <laughs> um, but but I suppose that speaks to the point of what you're saying. When you do train yourself and you you find a way to have a habit of of dealing with fears and working through fears and not being intimidated by them, it prepares you for the next one as your fear evolves. You know what the next uh, face fear takes on. You know some people could have fear of loneliness and then it's fear of com- uh, of commitment and then it's fear of success and then it's fear of failures and then you can just go back to the framework uh, that you've taught yourself and then you just apply that to uh, the fears moving on. Absolutely. So, yeah, speaking of frameworks, what are your frameworks? I don't want you to give everything away because I want people to work with you as well, but if you could give anything away, what would you say to an odd audience member listening right now that they could apply to their lives? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today his or, or her lives right now in terms of approaching the relationship with fear? Yeah. I mean, so I guess as far as framework is concerned, I kind of work through three main pillars. Mm. The first, um, so Forage, the name of the company is a play on words. It's courage spelled with an F because I believe if you access your fear, you can move into your courage. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but so the first pillar is called Forage Your Why. Um, and basically that's going into your fears and insecurities so you can connect to your truth. So the first thing I would do is recommend to, and it takes work, absolutely, but begin to be the observer of your thoughts. What comes up for you? 
when you when you if there if there's a limiting belief, there might be a nugget of information that's helpful, but it's not helpful on loop. Right. And so if you can start to get curious and I'll give one example. So um, so a lot of people talk to me about anxiety Um, personally, professionally. It's very common. So an exercise I have people do is actually write down how anxiety has served you. Now, that might seem crazy, but here's a couple of examples. If you have a high level of anxiety, you you may um, be incredibly detail oriented. You may be incredibly thoughtful or compassionate because you can see when somebody else is experiencing anxiety. You may be incredibly analytical. There are so many attributes that come from this perceived negative trait that you carry so that you can actually start to connect to the gifts and maybe choose to keep those and start to be aware of when it's when it's happening in a way that's not serving you. And when we start to do that, one one other quick tip, a quick way to start training your mind as to when it has a decision point instead of just automatically responding the same way. So if you have a negative self-thought on loop, say next. Say next until you don't. If that's three times, if it's 30 times. And it might feel like a process that you have to go through. But first, you just have to show your brain, wait a minute, we have a choice here. We don't have to react this way. So those are a couple of examples, but go ahead. No, I love that because um, we, we are too reactive as a, as a world. And many times when we don't actually pause, the idea of pausing and reflecting, hey, is this what we want? Is, uh, does this, uh, is this consistent with our values? Is this something that would be uh, reflective of the highest version of ourselves? And just those little prompts are enough for you to maybe, you know, maybe just say, hey, you're right. This doesn't serve me now. I'm not going to do that. And the anxiety thing is, as someone that has anxiety, it's it's very very important. I, I definitely understand how, understanding how hey how this is um, something I can learn from or something that it's actually informing me to be a better person uh, is a good way to reframe that. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. very helpful. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I would say, look at, we tend like there, are, there are a few fears that are probably really large and really loud for you. So rather than being within them, when they come, when they trigger you, when you're in a calm space, look at them, see if there's themes, see what could like actually get curious about them because there's so much information about what's true for you. And breaking out of boxes isn't easy. To your previous point, how are your friends going to react? How is society going to react? But ultimately, we are ourselves, the only people who we're ultimately going to be with every day for the rest of our lives. And so bringing contentment within is a key piece of that. And it might mean that people in your life shift, right? Yeah. But, um, but, but finding that inner truth um, that's kind of the crux of the work. And from there, it's a lot about accountability. So the second pillar is living your why. So it's how you start to actually then shift your decision-making so that you are in service of your truth, so that you are living on purpose versus working towards attaining a life purpose. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's both for individuals and for organizations. I would say in organizations, that's where the majority of the work is. If you think about it, how many you know companies or businesses have you walked into and you see the values up on the wall? 
but nobody practices those values. <laughs> I, mean, I say that a lot. That's exactly what I say. I love that. That's so true. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sorry. I, I just got so excited. I was literally just saying that. Yes. Right. Because, you know, there's no performance-based metrics that tie in the values to an end of, to an employee's review system. Yeah. Right. And so how are we? And then you look at and, you know, you name them, but look at the amount of organizations where there's been a breakdown of trust, whether it was Facebook, Uber, Wells Fargo, you name it. And why is that breakdown happening? Because there's there's not a practice of practice. There's nobody's practicing their practices. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, and, and I would say that comes back to fear. Right. So they're all interconnected. And um but I mean, it really begins with curiosity rather than shutting down and going into fight, flight or freeze, which is reasonable because that's the chemical reaction in our body. When you move, this was fascinating, actually. USC just put out or last year, they put out a report that shows one of the things that moves you from your amygdala, which is your fear center in your brain, to your prefrontal cortex, which is the home of creativity, connection, decision making is gratitude. So gratitude is not just a, a woo, nice to have. It is an incredibly powerful tool um, to actually move into a space of curiosity. Move into a space of curiosity. Uh, my best friend always says, follow your curiosity. And it, there are amazing things that can happen when you follow your curiosity because that allows you to just understand the multiple levels of who you are. You know, you were, we're talking about breaking outside of boxes. When you follow the things you're curious about, you can start to see patterns that uh, are consistent with all your passions, and that can create whatever your career ultimately becomes. So uh, speaking of your career and careers and how they ultimately become, you had that path in yourself where you had a series of people you worked for and worked with, and you noticed that integrity wasn't something that was as practiced as you would like. And that led you to really understanding that, hey, maybe I should really step out of my own and really help other people understand how to actually practice what they say on their mission statement. How has that been so far in terms of you following your curiosity? Oh, gosh, on a personal level, it's been it's been amazing. I um, I know it's it's funny, but um, for me, when I get to do this work, I walk out of it out of a work day and I feel alive. And I can't think of a more exciting feeling than, you know, I've worked in a number of companies where I sat in a cubicle under fluorescent lights for 10 hours and I did not feel alive at the end of that day. Um, it's it's exciting because what I think it grants people is freedom. I think it, at our natural state, people want to be in integrity. They want to be in community. We want, I mean, we're human so we can connect, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of these fears of conformity prevent us from truly being able to connect. And so this work, while it's incredibly challenging, I, I, love, I love that space. Again, I don't see fear as a negative. I don't see these things as dark. Um, and so when I can be there with my clients, with leadership teams, and actually see the breakdown of what isn't serving them, what's actually causing friction between them, to then be able to be vulnerable and turn into each other and ask for what they need, and then start to put these practices in place that 
that help them actually connect with the audiences that they're trying to and make the difference. No pun intended there, but but <laughs> make the difference. That is, I mean, that's God. It's why I'm here. Well, it's it's a beautiful thing to discover your purpose. It's a beautiful thing to live it out as well. So let's talk. About, let's take a macro view. You said you like micro and a macro. Let's go even more macro right now. We. I believe, are in a time, as I was talking about earlier, defined by a lot of fear and ignorance. You see this on several institutional levels, you know, politics, education, uh, families. From your observation, from your vantage point, what do you think we can stand to benefit from in this, you know, in, in this time of deep divisions? How can we apply our forge <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, to, to make our, our, ourselves a better world? This is just beyond individuals. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, at a macro level, I think there is, we're playing in an old system of a win-lose, zero-sum game, right? And that is, that is all over the nation. And it's this scarcity mindset that means for me to have it, for me to succeed, you have to lose. When in actuality, that is not, not only is that not true, um, it's, it's not the way forward. And so a lot of the community work that I do is focused on shared agendas, on win-win scenarios, um, because the way forward is actually in community with each other. And so the fear comes in because we, we as a people at a mass level subscribe to that notion of, oh, if they get it, I won't have it, right? And so okay. we perpetuate this old system rather than saying, hold on wait a minute, we can do this differently. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it is the same approach at a much larger scale, but it's really ultimately what we have to get curious about is this, this notion of scarcity mindset that has been bestowed upon so many people in varying levels um, that is, it's not serving and it's not, I don't think, reflective of what's true. Yeah. Really isn't. It's not reflective of what's true, and I've also that idea of perpetuation is something I, I, I firmly believe in. There are certain people that systems work for, and when you understand power dynamics, there's no motivation for them to change that. Exactly. And and so a lot of times, if you're describing yourself as a change maker or you're an organization that wants to truly make an impact, the first thing that we need to acknowledge is that this is going to take work, which is what you're saying. I think there's just romanticization of I'm going to change the world and it's not going to be challenging. <laughs> and so if you train yourself for uh, the inevitable conflict that will happen, understanding that you can then take what you learn from that um, experience and then build on it is a much more, is a much better mindset than saying, oh, well, I tried and they hated it. And now they think I'm the worst person. And so I'm just going to go back in my shell and not try and do anything anymore. So it's just a subtle shift because I know we hang around similar spaces, but we do hear people that want to make an impact in the world, but are intimidated by the fact, uh, by the backlash that they get initially. And so I, I think rectifying our relationships with that fear of backlash is also important in, if you want to change the world. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's, it's, it's going back to those values. We need to be creating networks based on values versus this, I mean, now we have this whole, how do I outperform my competitors? 
that's not a win-win. I mean, on a, on a business level and on the level that you're talking to, that's, I mean, that's why I'm so excited about your book coming out because it's giving power back to people. If you think about it, fear is giving your power away. You're giving your power away to your fear. You're giving your power away to government. You're giving your power away to your employer, whatever that is. And so this is when when people read your book and they connect to how they can make a difference, that's, that's, that's taking their power back. When they realize that they don't have to be victim to their fears, that's taking their power back. Ultimately, it's being in choice. Yes, absolutely. It is. And, and you're exactly right. That's, that's the hope that I'm hoping to uh, instill in people to remember the power that they have, but also have a framework to connect. Uh, I think we need to connect to ourselves first and then connect to others. And um, I, we just need to get back to that. You know, the more disconnected we are, the the more, I guess, false stories spread, <laughs> stories mm-hmm. of fear, stories of lack, you know, fear and lack. And and, and instead of replacing that with abundance and, and connection, it's a, it's a dangerous place to be at. Okay. Um, Okay, so let's talk more about Forge then. You work with individuals one-on-one. Do you work with organizations as well? Yes, I do both. Um, so in an ideal scenario, I come in, I'll work with a leadership team. Um, you know, I used to, when I was chief culture officer about 10 years ago, I, I had the naive, but I think optimistic view that a culture was made up of all of the elements of its parts. And that experience uh, taught me that culture is really whatever behaviors the CEO embodies is the culture of that company. So yeah. small example, but if a CEO is always late, guess what? It's appropriate for everyone to be late, right? <laughs> and that's just one example. But um, so I really like to work with leadership teams because that's where you have the ability to impact an entire company. Um, and so I do a lot of workshops and then follow up with one-on-one coaching, because as we said, a lot of this work, it is deep. It is, it does connect you. I mean, going into to what your fears are is an incredibly vulnerable thing and it needs, it requires a safe space to do so. So it's a combination of both. And then I work with a, with a lot of individuals as well. Some of the work that I'm uh, just starting is actually men's coaching. Um, if you, if you look at what's going on right now, so on a side note and a personal note, I've lost a few people to suicide over the last year. And it made me get really curious about the suicide epidemic. And I was under the misconception that it was highest among teens, but it's actually highest among um, middle-aged white men. And if you think about it right now, there's a lot of conversation around the patriarch, around where we are as a, as a people, as a nation, as a, as a world. And there's a lot of anger and a lot of blame and a lot of finger pointing being put towards men when in actuality, that's not a safe place for people to, for, for men to start to look at what has the role of being a provider put on me? What, what does my masculinity, how does it serve me? How can I expand into more wholeness, right? The feminine movement, I think, gave a gave a huge opportunity for women to more safely experience their wholeness, because I think we are all masculine and feminine, right? Again, it's a spectrum. And so if we could all be operating from a more full toolbox, how could that be? Um, so that's new one new offering that I'm, uh, I'm just rolling out now, actually. Masculinity piece is very personal to me. Obviously, I'm a man and I'm, I have two younger brothers and I, I do mentor uh, a kid who's 12 in, in, in as part of Big Brother, Big Sisters. And 
it is it's interesting to me to for me to hear your thoughts because I do think about very similar things, whether it's with uh, you know suicide, it's depression, it's anxiety, it's the frames of what we see as masculinity in popular media and how people consider what a real man is versus, I guess, a beta male. And, you know, I hate these terms, but it's alpha male versus beta male. And I, I, I do think that that plays a role into how people, uh, you know, choose to identify. And it's very interesting, even when you start to add then sexuality or whatever, you, you know, uh, your beliefs are in that and people start to say, this doesn't make you a man, this makes you less of a man. And then you limit part of yourself. It's very interesting how that also plays a role into how we see ourselves. We're talking about fear uh, uh, earlier, but there are fears that comes with that. They come with that, you know, a fear of being yourself because you might not be accepted, uh, or you might not be considered man enough. Um, it's right. just an interesting thing uh, to to consider. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. I think it's what. And again, I mean, in order to be vulnerable, you need a safe space. And right now, because there's so much emotion around this topic, there's not a lot of safe spaces to have these conversations for shift to take place. Because when if, if you are receiving anger or hatred or blame, you may not feel safe to go and explore what you what what your fears are Absolutely. to expand into more of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well said. So someone now is like, I really love Green and everything she stands for. I want to meet her. I want to work with her. I want to have her come to my company. Where can they reach you? So um, they can reach me at my website is forage, F-O-U-R-A-G-E dot biz. And the email is just gurian at forage dot biz. Okay. We'll make sure we'll put that in the show notes. Is there any one particular message do you want to leave the audience with? Hmm. Yeah, it's actually, I would like to share a quote. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's by a gentleman named Viktor Frankl. And it says, between stimulus and response, there's a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, and I remember this. this was the... I read this book, right? This was the one about him being a Holocaust survivor. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. I. I yes. Wow. Um. I think it's in search of meaning. If that's if I'm, I can't remember correctly, but it's wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm arrested a little bit for. Uh, uh, you just made me pause because I, I think it's um really honing in on the fact that we do have more of a choice than we like to give ourselves credit for sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, huh? Well. My last question is my mission statement framed as a question. So how do you, Korean, use your difference to make a difference? I work to reframe our relationship with fear so that it's something that helps us grow instead of limits us. Boom. That <laughs> concludes a, a powerful session. I really want to thank you on for, uh, you know, thank you for coming on the show, but thank you for being vulnerable. I mean, you, you were just open. You shared a lot of your personal fears in addition to why you feel like it's something that the world needs to address. And um, I think you created a safe space here. Uh, so thank you for that. And really, really looking forward to what the audience has to say to this episode as well. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Hale, and thank you for doing what you do and, and sharing your gift with the world. I can't wait for your book to come out.
Thank you so much. Thank you for the support, and I, I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, and nonconformers, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.